Hey, everyone. I'm so excited to share our podcast has been nominated in Boise Weekly's annual Best of Boise contest. And while it's an honor to be nominated, I have to admit it would be even more fun to win. If we've helped you connect to the city you love, go to the link in the show notes to vote for us by May 23rd. Thanks, Boise. Today on CityCast Boise, the countdown to Halloween is on, so what better time to talk about our city's most infamous urban legends? From notorious crime scenes and creepy lakeside clowns, we're bringing back this conversation with citizen historian Graham McBride so he can help us separate fact from fiction. It's Thursday, October 12th. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise's talking about. Welcome to CityCast Boise. Hey, Emma. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. We are going to be talking about Boise urban legends, and you are a citizen historian, and you know a ton about Boise history, and also just like the fun, weird stuff that goes on in Boise. And I want to start by telling, asking you about my favorite Boise urban legend, which was something from when I was a kid and a teenager, the Park Center Clown. The Pond Clown, he was called. Do you know about this one? For sure. You know, this is one that I have like a classic urban legend, right? Where I've heard it in the mist, but I, you know, I don't know anyone who uh, personally experienced this clown or, you know, any of that firsthand knowledge. But as as I understand it, and I'm curious what uh, your version of the story that you've heard is that it was some character who was wearing clown makeup and uh, hanging out around Park Center park and just like being a general like creepy weirdo and you know uh also just like practicing their clown makeup skills but beyond that i don't know any any more specifics i'm curious what you heard growing up it's about the same i mean everybody had a story of like you know some they heard from someone that they were down there at night and they saw this man like man in clown makeup, but like the clown makeup had been kind of worn partway off. And um, he would sometimes talk to people. He would sometimes just stand and like watch people, but that he like lived down there. Some people thought that maybe he like lived there or is that he would just, that this was like a nightly activity for him that he would put on some clown makeup and go for a little night walk. Uh, That's what I heard. So I think we're about on the same, the same page. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to imagine that it was someone who, you know, after their day at Albertson's HQ, you know, clocked off and then just <laughs> hopped across the street, you know, put on a little clown makeup and, and uh, you know, practice their practical magic. He's like, this is my leisure. This is what some people bowl. <laughs> I like to scare kids in clown makeup. Leave me alone. <laughs> hey, you know, we all have our ways to decompress. Absolutely. Um, the next one is, I mean, this is a famous one. What's weird is I feel like I don't actually know the real, I know this is real, but I don't know the actual history, but the Chinese tunnels. Yeah. People say like, oh, there's, some people say like, there's miles of Chinese tunnels under the city. What's the deal with the Chinese tunnels? 
Uh, it's a myth. Um, it's a total myth. Ah, oh, dang. I know, I know. Um, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> I think one of the, the easiest ways to, to, to kind of debunk it um, is that underneath our streets, there's no room for tunnels because we have water, we have sewers, we have electrical, we have gas, we have all the stuff going on underneath the streets. And the original, the original urban legend was that like the Chinese immigrants had built tunnels under the city because at some point it was legal to kill a Chinese person that I mean, this is the story I sure. heard, but it was illegal. So to get from one place to another, they built these tunnels so that they could safely travel. But you're saying there's no way, there's not even room for tunnels at all. You no. Know, and honestly, if you go back to, um, you know, a lot of this, unfortunately, is just really kind of an, an anti-Asian sentiment. I think one of the things that's important to remember is that historically, Boise had a very large and thriving Chinatown. Going back to, you know, the 1880s, you start to see these rumors being spread about, you know, these opium dens around town. I was reading yesterday in the uh, Statesman Archives uh, an article from 1882 where the police raided all of these supposed opium dens in town, and they didn't find anyone smoking opium. Um, they also didn't find any tunnels, but it started to kind of plant that seed that, well, they must be doing it somewhere, and they must be doing it somewhere sneaky, and we know they know how to use dynamite, so they must have figured out a way to be secretly mining underneath the roads um, and are sneaking around doing opium. What Whatever nefarious activities, you know, anything to really give a bad name to the Chinese community. Wow, I had no idea. And I mean, I feel like a lot, maybe a lot of these uh, urban legends will come back down to, well, racism. That's pretty much <laughs> what this is about. Uh-huh. Yeah, unfortunately. The one thing I do want to say is that tunnels do exist underneath State Street, uh, in between the Capitol building and the rest of Capitol Mall. So there's an underground, fully underground passage, you know, to be able to, to cross between those buildings. And then also um, underneath Boise High School, there are, are tunnels because there used to be 10th Street used to run through what's now the quad of, of Boise High School. They had built this this tunnel system um, in order to be able to move between those two buildings without having to cross the street. Tunnels under Boise High. I did not know that. That's funny because our next urban legend is Boise High based. This was a big rumor when I was a kid was that you no one was allowed in the top floor of Boise High because um, some kids had died up there. Um, you know, up until the 1960s, Boise High School was the only high school. Uh, in town. And so it serviced the whole town. And then starting in the 1960s, there was, you know, a move to suburbanization and the north end of Boise uh, became an unfashionable neighborhood, you know, small lots, small old houses. um, And people were flocking to South Boise where they could have, you know, a big house, live in a big lot. um, And, you know, they ended up building Bora High School then later capital, et cetera, et cetera. So then the population of Boise High was getting kind of dire. And so in the 90s, the school was really underpopulated with students. They were you know, stuck with this aging building um, that needed a lot of work in order to keep it as a functional school. And so they decided to close the third floor of the high school. And it was closed up until 2008. You know, anytime that you have 10,000 plus square feet of a building that's closed off, um, you're going to get lots of uh, rumors and conjecture about that. Fortunately, as a theater student, I got to have privileged access to a lot of the normally off-limits parts of the school. And so I got to visit the third floor quite often because we used it as uh, storage. It was just like a 
just a big empty space that was badly lit and full of furniture that wasn't didn't make any sense and you know had been unpainted and the walls were peeling and the you know ceiling wasn't great and the carpet was horrible and yeah and so it definitely looked like uh you know a great set for a, a horror movie or something i never encountered any any ghosts anything supernatural up there the place that really gave me the the heebie-jeebies uh at boise high school is um it was built with an indoor shooting range um so in the sub basement what yes <laughs> yeah the rotc used to target practice inside school <laughs> i did not know that yeah yeah so um where uh we stored costumes um was the former shooting range i mean full of you know 100 years of dead people's clothes um with the walls littered with bullet holes that that is that is the one space at boise high school where i really got the heebie-jeebies and if i think there is a ghost i think they're down there uh trying on the fur coats um and <laughs> you know checking out the bullet holes practicing their markman's marksmanship yes, yes. i mean it sounds like if it's not haunted it should be for sure we should move a ghost in <laughs> if we're picking on boise high i feel like we should talk about bora which you said was built after boise high i went to bora and there was always the rumor people would always ask are there really is there really a cockroach infestation at bora and the rumor was that a, either either a, a senior prank had gone wrong they released a bunch of um roaches that like multiplied over the years or that um, a disgruntled teacher, science teacher got fired and released a whole bunch of roaches in the building. Boise High obviously would always tease us about having roaches in the building. And we would be like, there's not roaches in the building. Uh, there's definitely roaches at Bora. <laughs> there are so many roaches. I don't know how they got there. But the the urban legend that there's tons of roaches at Bora confirmed. Yeah, tons, wow. tons of roaches. Uh very gross. Yeah. It's the only place I've actually seen roaches in Idaho. Unfortunately, going to Boise High School, uh, we always used to make a joke that, yeah, there's roaches at Bora, and the only time I see them is on the football field. So. Oh, nice. Oh. <laughs> Bringing back the old rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I hope you know about this because this was like a, a big spooky one when I was a kid. Uh, the Linden Murder House. What do you know about that? I know it quite well. I had I had a friend in high school who uh, grew up on the street. And so I heard various versions of, you know, the, the urban myth. And then uh, later through my own research, find out the, the true story, which in my opinion, is even more macabre and horrible. But, um, you know, the story uh, that I had heard in high school was this someone living in this house on the corner had, you know, murdered his wife and then butchered her and left body parts in the front yard. And then as I got older and started, you know, poking around and, and doing research um, to understand the story a little better, I did learn the true story. And there was a murder at the house, 805 Linden Street. It happened in 1987, June of 1987. A 21-year-old named Preston Murr was at the home of his friends Daniel Rogers and Darren Cox. And around midnight of that night, an altercation broke out and Murr was shot in the shoulder. Um, that Daniel Rogers had used his handgun to, to shoot him in the shoulder. Murr escaped the house, ran out into the neighborhood and attempted to escape attempted to get into someone's house. Um, he went up and down the block pounding on people's door. Um, and one of the neighbors uh, heard him pounding and heard him screaming, let go of me. 
and was peeking out the window and saw that the, that these two men were dragging this guy back um, to this house on the corner. And he called the cops. Unfortunately, at the time, the police uh, didn't come and investigate, didn't do anything about it. And then the next morning, they got several other calls from neighbors who found blood on their porches, blood on their door, a trail of blood leading back into the house, which the police went and investigated and found a horrific murder scene. And then later, Murr's body uh, was found along the Snake River. Really? Holy cow. So totally true, Linder Murder House was a Lind- the Linder Murder House. Wow. Absolutely, yeah. And, and, and to the graphic detail of, you know, really blood on the sidewalk, it doesn't get any more, more macabre than that. Let's talk about one from, um, well, like when we were kids again. So this was, everybody, I think, in fourth grade does a tour of the Capitol. Um, I did it myself. Then I chaperoned it with my kids. And you used to be able to go up on the stairs to the mm-hmm. rotunda, like you used to be able to go up there during the tour. But the rumor was that they stopped doing it because the rotunda was haunted by a kid who fell um, during a school tour. Is there any truth to that one? Well, there was a tragic loss of, of a child at the Capitol. Uh, to get to the level of, of you know, urban legend status, you have to you have to elevate it. The myth is is that he fell from the 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 very top, the rotunda of of the dome. But it is a true story. Um, in 1926, there was a nine year old magazine carrier. Um, his name was Grant Ward. And he was making his rounds, uh, dropping off magazines for the legislatures. And his final stop was on the fourth floor. And being a uh, fun-loving nine-year-old, rather than trudging down the stairs, he decided to slide down the very appealing marble banister. Which, unfortunately, I mean, if you visited the Capitol, you're aware that it's it, it has the vibe of being this kind of sloping, wonderful, curvaceous uh, turn. But in reality, there's a lot of uh, tight turns. And unfortunately, as he was going down, he uh, lost his balance, lost control, slipped over the side and ended up uh, tumbling to his death. Oh, that's so sad. So that one, probably not haunted, but really a kid did fall. And yeah, very, very sad. Yes. Oh, well, let's talk cemeteries, because Boise cemeteries have some great urban legends. Uh, the Warm Spring Cemetery is supposedly haunted by the Confederate ghosts who uh, were out there for some reason. But Old Fort Boise Military Cemetery has a ton of urban legends. It's haunted. People would leave spell jars on the grave, supposedly. Satanic rituals happened out there. There's like a story of some boys going out there, uh, hiking, getting lost, never seen again. Lost Boy Hill is named for that. Um, And there's stories of lights. I remember when I was a teenager that people would say that they saw lights that were supposedly the Lost Boys. So what can you tell us about all the legends around around that cemetery. Yeah, well, you know, I haven't been able to find much concrete information about the the Lost Boys, unfortunately. But as far as that cemetery itself, I mean, I think, you know, one of the realities of it is that um, it's been moved. Unfortunately, where it was located is that in the spring, when the when Cottonwood Creek would, would flood, it would flood through the cemetery, which is just kind of generally bad vibes, floating caskets is not really what you're going for. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so they ended up having to move the cemetery higher up onto the hill that it's at now. The majority of the graves that are in it now are just the military graves. As anyone who, you know, 
uh, visits there can can see. They've uh, installed cameras. They lock it at night. Um, I mean, when I was younger, it, it wasn't like that, and um, there was definitely you know rumors of people doing you know witchy things out there. And I have to admit that as a as a teenager, sometimes we would go out there in the hills and you know um, light some votive candles and you know. <laughs> sure, you were a theater kid. You know, like yeah, of course, yeah, exactly. Of course you did. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm really just really you know getting inspiration for my next role. And then in hindsight, I look back and I think, oh yeah, you know, if somebody came the next morning and saw like half burnt votive candles and uh, other you know detritus that we may have left, um, I could I could definitely see someone uh, thinking that something sus had happened. Well, let's talk about the Boise curse. And this is, you know, I I know a lot of people have talked about this. The Boise curse is if you try to leave wherever you go, you'll be sabotaged and eventually you will come back to Boise. Have you heard about this, the Boise curse? Oh, yeah. I felt it, Emma. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Same. Oh, yeah. Definitely something that I have heard about. I remember when I was... Uh, you know, a kid, my parents uh, moved here from California in the 90s. And um, they had uh, friends in town who um, they had known back home in in California, who incidentally had been from Boise and were drawn back here through whatever magnetism um, this town seems to have. In reality, I think that more than anything, I think it's symptomatic of a tight-knit community. You know, I, I left Boise, I went you know, out, took a big swing, um, missed pretty badly and, um, (laughs) you know, was assessing my options and, and knew that coming back to Boise was somewhere where I had friends and connections and it's a community that I, you know, knew and felt safe in and somewhere that I was willing to return. It wasn't so horrible when I left that I, that I couldn't imagine myself ever, ever coming back. Um, and I think that is a great sign. I mean, I think that appeal that is bringing so many new people here um, is felt by all of us who have, you know, been here for decades. Um, and there's just something about this place that that you just can't quite shake off. Yeah, I think that's true. For anybody who's looking to break the Boise curse, I did read that if you're trying to get out of here and you're trying to stay gone, you got to bring a jar of dirt, of Boise dirt with you when you leave. And then maybe, maybe you can stay gone. But I haven't seen anybody do it. (laughs) Most of us end up coming back at some point. So, well, let's do our final urban legend, which I saved for last because it is my very favorite one. Uh, what do you know about the bogus basin trolls? Oh my gosh, I I don't know anything. This is news to me. No, really, you haven't heard really? about it. No. Oh my gosh, it's my favorite. What are these trolls? So, um, well, maybe are you a skier? Maybe that's why. Is it's kind of like a skiing. You know, I I learned to ski and I hated it, but I did ski at bogus okay. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Well, so maybe this is why you hated it is because um, I started skiing there when I was a kid, and my parents would take us and when you drive over the cattle guard um, on the way up to Bogus, there's supposedly uh, the Bogus Basin trolls live under that cattle guard and you have to open your door um, when you, and there's a lot of variations of it. You had to open your door and lift your feet up 
When you went over Ooh. it, some people hold their breath over it. Some people mm. just open their door, but there's a lot of variations. But the idea is that way, if the trolls want to ride, they can hop in with you and then they go up to Bogus and then that's good luck. And if you don't open your door or do any of those ritual things, then you have a bad time skiing and you you get injured or you have bad weather or you just don't have a good time. So maybe you need to try it again and let the trolls tag along because yes. I'm not a superstitious person, really. I still open my door every time we go up there. I still pop my door open. I can't help it. That's great. No, that's and I think that's sage advice. Like I said, I don't have the best background of skiing. If there's ever an opportunity to to you know dust them off and bring some trolls with me up the mountain, and I think there there may be something there. And that was the thing is that you know I was always taken skiing by an out of towner who didn't know, and this is why you know locals. It's important that we pass on these these traditions and uh, these you know legends. Well, Graham, thank you so much for filling us in on all the Boise urban legends. I feel like I learned a lot about my town. Absolutely. Thank you all. Bye now. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. If you enjoyed the show, tell the Park Center clown. We'll be back tomorrow morning with your weekly news roundup. Bye.